We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, coming to you guys live here on a Monday on YouTube, which of course means Monday free-for-all mailbag. Going to work, work through a lot of the great questions that you all have already queued up in the chat. This one's for you folks. Every day other than Monday, we get to go through as many questions as possible and let you all steer the great conversation here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. But today, you guys get to call, make the call. So Ryan Roberts, Brian Driscoll, bringing you guys everything that you want to talk about today. It's no holds bar, guys. You guys can talk about Notre Dame football, of course. You could talk about this past weekend's junior day and all the recruiting info that we have put out at boards.irishbreakdown.com over the last couple of days. You can also ask about college football. You can ask about NFL. You can ask about random questions. The questions are up to you all. The topics are up to you all. And we're ready to roll here. Brian, I don't know if you're ready, but uh, ready to go, no. man. Uh-oh. He guns. Ready. Uh-oh. T-Guns, sports Uh questions, my man, sports questions. (laughs) Aliens are real. Aliens are real. You saw exactly, Ryan, you you know everybody else is 99% of people going to take it the right way. But my man, T-Guns, is going to be like, no holds barred. Okay. There we go. Let's rock well, and roll. Well, I forgot to tell you, but Tommy started talking about aliens on the podcast, and they started texting me uh, gifts of aliens as well, which was fun during a that, show. It's fantastic. That will but, not be what yeah. we discuss today. Will not be what we discuss today. <laughs> but I'm ready to get rocking and roll. Unless he gives us a super chat. Unless he gives us a super chat, then we have to talk about aliens, right? I mean, that's. Uh... Yeah. I always, I always have discretion on what does or doesn't come come up but uh yeah let's let's rock and roll let's rock and roll we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. David M. with the first question of the day. And by the way, Super Chats do get the first come, first serve, right? So if you want to throw a Super Chat in there, if you want to get ahead of the line, you don't have to wait to question 97. You can get right up to the front of the line. It's like the easy pass when you go to, uh, when, well, when you're driving. But I was talking about the, the <laughs> all right. What, what's, the, what's the fast pass at no. Disney? That's what it, I'm trying to think. No, no, Whatever the heck no. So called. you yeah. just made me laugh because we were, uh, yesterday I was taking Angela to the airport yesterday. Because she's yeah. flying. She's actually about an hour away from you right now, Ryan. She's in Newark till mm-hmm. tomorrow. And then her and her mom are leaving on a trip. But there was this older gentleman in front of us at the yesterday at the toll booth. And he didn't have his easy pass on right. And so he's standing there like going like this. And it just, we're there for like two minutes. So finally, I had to get out of my car. I had to tell him, I had to get him to back up. I had to show him how to hold it. And he's like, now what do I do? I said, slowly drive through, drive up. And it's like, we stood there for like three minutes. So I'm sitting there in shorts in the middle of the snow showing this older fella how to use, cause he's just going like this. I'm like, my man, you are too far in. You have missed it. You got to <laughs> come back. That was cold. I was very cold when yeah. I had to do that, but you just made me laugh <laughs> sure. when I thought of that. It's when been, you, uh, yeah. It's been kind of cold the last couple of days. Been yes, cold. it has. Yes, it has. But David M's going to get us started. Let's rock and roll, buddy. Dan says, do you have any insight into why Notre Dame never offered J.J. McCarthy? Was it simply that Tommy, Brian Kelly liked Tyler better? Do you think J.J. would have come to Notre Dame if offered? Well, I do think he probably would have come to Notre Dame if offered. And, and you know, that was a school that he liked a lot early. I, I, I can't say certainly that he would have because I know he also liked Michigan. But at the time, I, I think Notre Dame was a little bit of a hotter program, if you remember, Ryan. He was part of the 2021 class, so that was Notre Dame had been in the playoff two of the three years at that point in time. Michigan was coming off of a, you know, some a couple decent seasons, and then yep. uh, obviously they had the 2020 disaster. But Notre Dame just liked Tyler Buckner better. So did I at the time. I mean, look, guys, before the injuries and the quarterback coach changes to delivery and all this kind of stuff, like Tyler Buckner was a dude. I mean, he was an absolute dude. But that's why it's so important to you know, injuries can factor into this, you know, how you're developed can factor into it. There's just a lot of things that go into 
you know, whether or not a, a guy reaches his peak. Some people like J.J. McCarthy better at the time. I get that. But I like Tyler better. I mean, Tyler's junior film, Ryan, was about as dynamic as you're going to get. I mean, it was outstanding. I know the competition stunk, but he he could spin it. He could run. He was just a really good quarterback. He just missing a senior year and then all the injuries just. Lock of development you know, just, early. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, yeah lot getting a quarterback's <laughs> coach that wanted to mess with his throwing motion, which just. Yeah. I'll, I'll still never understand that. If if a, if a quarterback's coach, to all y'all out there, if your kid's above the age of 13 and you've got some quarterback coach and your kid's good and you've got some quarterback coach who's telling you, hey, we need to change this throwing motion, just say no, man. I'm going back to 1980s, right? Just say no, right? Just Just say no. Because they've got to tell you something to convince you to spend your money with them. That's the reality of it. And... um you know, a, a good quarterback's coach nine times out of ten is going to say we may we may do like a little tweak to how you grip the ball, your release, but they're not going to alter your entire throwing motion if you're already a pretty good player. They're going to work on footwork. They're going to get your core involved. They're going to teach you how to read properly. They're going to work on all that kind of stuff to enhance what you do. If they're yep. talking about breaking down what you do, unless your kid is a forty percent completion guy now, right? But if your kid's already pretty good, just say no, man. Because I've seen, we saw Brandon Wimbush. We saw it, you know, with even with Ever Golson to a degree, although that was more mental than anything. But we saw it with Brandon and and uh, Phil Dracovic, who had someone working with him in, in high school at, after his career was over. And we saw it with Tyler Buckner, where, you know, they get these guys to say, I got to change your throwing motion. And it's kind of like, yeah, you're too late for that, man. You know, like you, you just, you, you enhance the other stuff. You don't need to change somebody's throwing motion. It's a real shame. I uh, I know a lot of really good quarterback coaches, man. It's just these like few bad apples that just kind of make you kind of turned off at the idea of a private quarterback coach. It's a real shame because there are some there are some good ones out there, man. But uh, yeah, unfortunate, very unfortunate. All right, and our next question is from Raymond Harton. What's up, Raymond? Hey guys, what is the status of Max Bulla? Thanks. Right now, he's still with the team, still part of the staff. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what the future holds for him or or what's going on, but right now he's still part of the staff, which is a good thing because I think he did yep. a great job this year for Notre Dame. I really do. I think he did a tremendous job. Of all the people that were upset about the James Laurinaitis loss, and I get it from a name recognition perspective and the relationships he had with some of the recruits at the time, I mean, Max Bull, I think, just unequivocally did a better job as a football coach Much. in his first year compared to what James Laurinaitis yeah. did. So maybe, maybe Laurinaitis yeah. is that dude now or he will be in the future, but – Compared to what you saw year one of James Laurinaitis versus what we saw year one of Max Bola, I thought Max Bola did a really good job in yeah, Notre Dame this year. Absolutely. Paul Hamilton with the question. Thank you, Paul. What do you honestly think is even the reason why Tyler Buckner didn't pan out? I was so high on him out of high school. I don't think we ever saw anything close to his true potential. We started talking did, about did, did, did something happen with Tyler today? I, I, I'm fine answering this question. I just want, was there yeah. some news about, okay. I, I would um, assume, because there is usually a kind of a trend that happens in chats. I would assume that maybe someone mentioned Tyler in the J.J. McCarthy question, and then he was like, oh, man, yeah, whatever happened to Tyler? Like, that was kind of weird project for progression, you know? So Yeah. Paul, it's a very fair question. Here's a couple things for me that, that factored into it. It was the continuous missing of time that he battled through. Like, the sophomore year by itself doesn't hurt him because he missed all, but I think he got hurt first half of the first game of his sophomore year hurt his ACL, comes back as a junior, 
electric and then misses the senior year. So, like, if you just missed the sophomore year, you just missed the senior year, I think it would have been okay. But then, you know, he misses both, and he comes to Notre Dame. He he has the private quarterback. I mean, we started to see it in the in the uh, Elite 11 stuff. You started to see, like, this weird throwing motion that that he didn't really use in high school, and and the ball just wasn't coming out of his hand properly and all these type of things. And then he comes to Notre Dame in his first year, and he's just kind of a niche player, and they're not they're not really developing his overall game, which is fine. I mean, that was you, you needed to have him do that. I was okay with the role they gave him as a freshman because he brought some dynamic ability. You can't justify having a kid like that on the bench. And then he comes out as a sophomore and gets hurt again. Uh, you know, I mean, look, yeah, I know he didn't get off to a good start, but think about what Tyler did in the bowl game. And imagine if he had like 10 more games of that kind of development all of last season. I doubt that Notre Dame's going in the portal last year, Ryan, at least not for a Sam Hartman type of guy. I, I, I don't think there would have been a need for the portal. You'd have had Tyler. I don't think Drew, I don't think Drew leaves if he's if he's Tyler's backup all year. I think Drew left because he got a shot to start. He thinks he did well, went eight and two, and then got kicked to the curb, basically, in bowl prep, which is, you know, I think that kind of upset him. So you'd have Tyler, yep. Drew, you'd have Kenny, and you'd have or Steven and Kenny. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think Tyler would have been the starting quarterback this year. Now, there was a lot of things that he needed to continue to improve about his game and not turning the ball over, but – you know, Tyler showed in, in glimpses at Notre Dame why he was a big-time recruit. I think the bowl game was a perfect example. The interceptions were maddening, but those things can be corrected. But the playmaking was indisputable, Ryan. I mean, it was absolutely undisputable that game. The, the plays he made was arm and his legs in that game. You're like, that's why Notre Dame wanted Tyler Buckner. And then he made the poor decision to transfer to Alabama. I mean, so some, some of this has been bad luck injuries, things like that. That's not his fault. Some of it is poor decision-making on the behalf of him and his family. The quarterback's yep. coach is a senior and the decision to go to Alabama were both huge decisions that, that led to him not panning out. And I'm not saying I'm not upset about it. I, I, I think the world of Tyler and anyone you've ever, I, we know someone on our board, Ryan is a professor at Notre Dame, had him in class and had him and Drew in the same class. He's like, they're both awesome kids, just great kid in there every day, working hard and all that kind of stuff. But, yep. you know, decisions have consequences, Ryan. And and I think both Drew and Tyler made poor decisions last year. Not even just a transfer. I mean, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. But where they transferred to, I think, were, was a poor decision by both of them, to be completely yep. honest with you. And things like that can things like that can crush you. I mean, they can really, really yep. alter your entire career. And when you combine that with injuries, sure. you see it. It's weird. Sometimes we, like, juxtapose – young kids in college recruits as like NFL draft picks and NFL draft picks are in large. I mean, there's always improvement that happens, but they're more in large, closer to their ceiling. They are kind of what they are at that point for the most part. Rookies or, or young college players. I mean, we were, we forget a lot of times that these kids are 17, 18, 19 year old kids, right? Where they're just, I mean, at that, at that age, a lot of kids don't even understand how their body works yet, at least from a functional movement perspective. Like, they're still working, working on the dynamics of just movement. I mean, the, the kinetics of it. So I really think that for me, it was about mistime, misdevelopment, and lack of development in a lot of terms. And I think there's a lot of people behind those miscues. Obviously, you know, injuries are a freak thing that are unfortunate, you know, and you can't take back the fact that 
Tyler did miss a lot of time, both before his Notre Dame career and during his Notre Dame career. I mean, he missed a sophomore year after two and a half games where that was going to be his year of full development. And who knows what happens if he never gets hurt and maybe he takes the next step and he, you know, becomes that type of quarterback. But unfortunately he was lost to that. And then he goes to Alabama where there was a weird log jam at quarterback. And eventually they ended up obviously with Jalen Milrow, who Milrow got better increasingly down the stretch of the season. So just a very unfortunate circumstance of lack of development. And some of it was, you know, Tyler's undoings. A lot of it wasn't Tyler's undoing. I mean, injuries are freak things. The COVID year is a freak thing that is out of his control, obviously. So just missed opportunities, missed opportunities and missed development, unfortunately for Tyler, for a variety of reasons. Yep. Let's get to some more. more Irish blooded. Yep. Irish blooded. Why do they want Bill O'Brien at Ohio state? If Brian Hartline was the next coming of, Riley and Kingsbury. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, who's saying that? I don't. I haven't well, heard anyone say that. That I, I think that there's, there's, there's been like this big mystique over Brian Hartline over the last couple of years. Because here's the distinction that I think we need to understand: is that Brian Hartline is an excellent wide receiver coach. The proof is in the pudding. First rounder after first rounder. He's also a really good recruiter. Obviously, getting talents right. like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and getting Cornell Tate and getting Brandon Ennis. Obviously, great recruiter. Obviously, a very good developer of talents. I mean, the proof is out there. Technically, those kids are very good for the most part, right? So he's a great wide receiver coach. No one had any idea what he was as an offense coordinator. He's never right. called offense before. No one. And right. I mean, and at large, but I feel like this is and still like hasn't called an offense. Right. By the way. And I feel like this is a little bit of a sarcastic jab, obviously. But at the end of the day, I, Brian Hartline just might not be an offensive coordinator. We have no idea. Maybe he will right. be. Maybe he won't end up being. But like right now, Bill O'Brien is a much more known commodity as a play caller than what yeah. Brian Hartline is. I mean, we know I, I push back on a, a few of the things about Bill O'Brien. Do I think it's a clunky fit? Yes. Do I think that it's a matching of egos that could tear the program down potentially? Yes, but I do know is I actually, well, I, I, I mean, what I believe is that I do believe that actually Bill O'Brien's a better play caller than Ryan Day. I think Ryan, Ryan Day is a very overrated play caller. I think what we saw th- this offseason, what I think was needed was one, they obviously wanted to get an offensive coordinator in there because Ryan Day needs to do more on the day to day CEO part of being a head football coach at Ohio State. Now, I think that this frees him up some time. I think Bill O'Brien yeah. will at least have a better offense than what they had last year because last year was not nearly good enough offensively. Mm-hmm. Will it be a great hire? Probably not. Will it be at yeah. least a little bit of an improvement for what we saw in 2022? I, uh, 2023? I believe that. I do believe that part. So let me share some things. Number one, Ryan, there's this pushback now against Brian Hartline that, well, he's really not a good receiving co- receivers coach because he just gets really good players. And I'm like, yes, that's true. That's part of being a good receivers coach is the acquisition of talent, number one. But number two, Ryan, you you see this when you watch NFL draft film. Yes, you can you can look at a guy who's really talented and say he's just really talented. He's got to learn how to play the game. Part of the reason NFL teams covet Brian Hartline's receivers and why so many of their receivers have gone to the NFL and produced like immediately is yep. because of the preparation and the coaching that they're receiving. There's lots of very talented receivers that need a year or two to get to the NFL and develop and be ready to play because there's such a big transition from how they were developed in college. And you see this with like air raid receivers all the time, 
We've seen this with yeah. like TCU guys. We've seen this with like some USC where they, they kind of need some time to develop, right? Because of the system that they're coming from. But a lot of Brian Hartline's guys are going to the NFL and they're ready to go now. And yep. and it's not because necess- they're just because they're great. Like like Garrett Wilson, for example, Chris Olave, they're not DK Metcalf. They're who, by the way, I was completely wrong on. I thought DK Metcalf was not going to be a good NFL player because I thought he was a terrible route runner, had really stiff hips, but he's been pretty good. But he's not that. He's not like they're not like AJ Brown, where this is big, thick, physical, freaky kind of guy. They're not like what Mike Evans was early in his career. They're not those kind of guys. These are six foot tall. Darn good athletes, but they got they they know how to play the game, right? Like that's the thing. They're not like Tyreek Hill where they're four twos, right? These are guys that know how to play, and that's why they're able to go. I mean, who was the top two? Wasn't the if I again not really an NFL guy, but wasn't like Wilson and Alave considered like arguably the top two rookie receivers last year in the NFL? Like they were in that comp, both in yeah, that conversation both, at least. They but they both went over a thousand yards as a rookie yeah. last year. So. That's because they were ago. prepared to play the game in college. And it's not just scheme, it's because of how they were played, number one. Number two, I, I tend to agree with you on, on Bill O'Brien versus Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day has had by far the most talented team in the Big Ten, by far. Yes. yes. And and if you look at it, the further and further away they get from Urban Meyer's tenure, the worse they've become as a program. That That's not debatable the worse they've become on offense, the worse that they've just become from a toughness standpoint, from winning big game standpoint. I mean, what's their record against Michigan since since he left, since Urban Meyer left, right? It's, what, one in three, right? Yep. So, you know, to me, I look at it, they, they and I say, yes, Ryan Day's a, a good football, a very good offensive mind when it comes to some certain, like, concepts, but there's a big difference between having some some good concepts and being a good play designer and play caller. And we've seen some issues with him in that regard. And I think Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's very overrated, however. I don't think he is what people think he is, in my opinion. I think he gets way too much credit for what happened at Penn State. And I think he did a nice job at Bama, but he was hated by his players at Bama. They didn't want to play for him. I think last year well, they wasted so much talent. He's a prick, and I've met Bill O'Brien. Yes. I've worked camps with Bill O'Brien. He's a first-rate jerk, and yes. I don't know how that's going to fly in Ohio State. I really don't. I mean, Ryan, it's bad enough your head coach is a jerk. Now you've got to deal with this offense coordinator who's like Ryan Day on steroids when it comes to just being a prick to everyone. And I, I just don't know how that's going to be because, Ryan, you know this, man. Everybody talks about culture in a, in a locker room, and that's important, but you need a pretty healthy culture in the coaching staff too. And I don't yep. know how that I don't like I just I'm like thinking of like Tony Alford and Brian Hartline and and Justin Fry trying to deal with this guy and like no you're not gonna talk to me like that buddy I don't think so so I you know I I think it was a panic move to be completely honest with you I, I think there was a need to go bring in an offensive coordinator and I don't know who are the other legitimate options you know we heard about Dan Mullen and and Jason Candle and all those kind of guys and I'm like if if you chose Bill O'Brien over those guys. That's a that's a mistake in my opinion. That's a big mistake. But it's going to be a very interesting season for Ohio State because I'm even I'm not even talking about the play calling and the play on the field. They're bringing a lot more transfers, a lot of transfers, high money transfers as well, and they bring in an offensive coordinator who I think is good at calling an offense, but he also alienates 
everyone he's ever around. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of, so there's a lot of new faces in that room and there's a big ego that just walked into yeah. that room as well. So we'll see how that all meshes. I don't know. It could be really good and, or it could be not great. We'll see. And the off season they're having Ryan is raising the bar. I mean, with all the, the, the yep. five stars they've signed. And, you know, again, I, I think Julian yep. Sane's overrated. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a top hundred guy. But he's not like this top 10 five-star that they've made him out to be. I think he's better than Aaron Noland, you know, and, and yep. you know, but it's like he's not going to – like the perception of who he is is going to be greater than what he'll be. And Quinshawn yep. Junkins, and that th- you've raised the expectations of who you're going to be, and I don't think they're going to meet him because you said it in a tweet yesterday, Ryan. Ohio State's still going to be soft. Why? Because Ryan Day is soft. That's what it boils down to. And as long as he's there until he changes who he is, it's going to continue to be a problem. And I I think one thing I wanted to clarify was I said they're bringing a lot of transfers. I'm talking about big money transfers. We know that money could change people, man. I'm not saying this, well, Howard's going to be an issue or anybody's going to be an issue. But, I mean, you're bringing it like people – you're bringing in Quinshawn Judkins, for instance, right? We know that they had to break the bank to get Quinshawn there. Is he going to be okay with sharing the ball with Travion? I mean, uh, maybe he go. thinks he's going to be okay with sharing the ball with Travion until he gets into that room and he actually has to share the ball with Travion. Things can change, man. Right. And egos can get in the way of things sometimes. I'm not saying it's going to happen. There's a chance that Ohio right. State is very good next you year. Maybe national though, championship. Ryan. It's yeah. right. I mean, it's you, you it's can't ignore the, the possible we'll the concern, right? You, yeah. you can't ignore that concern. And because you what can't happens, ignore the fact. Go ahead. Yeah. It's a chain effect, right? As far as, far as Quinshawn, and again, this is hypothetical. Quinshawn upset he's not getting more touches. Goes to Bill O'Brien. Coach, I think I should be getting more touches. Bill O'Brien, being the prick he knows we know that he is, get the F out of here. Go sit down. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this stupid stuff. And then that alienates to now he's complaining to teammates. He's complaining to, to outside entities. He's complaining to everybody. Like that stuff happens, mm-hmm. man. We would be very irresponsible to say that that stuff never happens. Mm-hmm. It does. Will it happen in Ohio State? Not a, no idea. Yeah. But anytime you bring in guys with money in their pockets and ego in, in their in their minds, there's always that possibility. It's always possible. Maybe right. it'll mesh. We'll see, though. Maybe. Right. I want to push back on this. Look, Archer, I know you're a Ohio State fan, but you've got to be more honest about your head coach, okay? It says, Corey, Ryan Day has the second-best win percentage against ranked opponents among active coaches. Okay, are we, like, number one, I mean, who are those wins against? Number 23, Maryland, right? A very overrated Penn State team. Here's what I know. Since Ryan Day was named head coach, they're one and four, in, or so, no, hold on, they're, they're two and four in the postseason. Right, so 19, they went 0-1. 20, they beat Clemson, got blown out by Alabama. In 2020, they were they beat uh, Washington in the Rose Bowl. And 2021, they what was it? Uh, I'm trying to think. Hold on. 2020, no, 2021 is when they lost Washington in the Rose Bowl. 2022, they lost to Georgia, and then this year they lost to to Missouri. And you give me all the excuses. They almost did this. They almost did that. All this. But the fact is, is Ryan Day just doesn't win those games, and Michigan has absolutely dominated them. So you can hang on to the wins over Maryland and Iowa and Purdue if they were ranked. I mean, you can hang on to those, but it's kind of like what our beef was with Brian Kelly and what Marcus Freeman needs to prove is you don't get credit at Ohio State for beating those teams, right? Like Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman this year shouldn't get credit for what he beat NC State. You know, they – they. 
they beat so-and-so last year. No, you're supposed to beat Ohio State. You're supposed to beat Clemson. Those are the teams that you're supposed to beat, right? Don't care that you beat South Carolina in the Rose Bowl or in a Gator Bowl because you lost Ohio State. That's how it should be. And so I would encourage Ohio State fans to not fall into the trap that Notre Dame fans fell into forever with Brian Kelly, which is look for these things to defend him on when in reality you're not paid to beat up on all those crap teams and say that you have the second best ranked. He's one and three against Michigan. He's two and four in the postseason. My man, yeah. I don't care about anything else, nor should you, right? The fact is, if he doesn't change that, then all the other stuff, all the wins over Iowa and Wisconsin and Maryland when they're ranked, none of that should matter. None of that should matter, right? It's those other games that should matter. And that's, he's not getting it done. Just like Brian Kelly hasn't gotten it done. And just like Marcus Freeman hasn't gotten it done yet in that regard. You got to be honest about that. And this whole second best win person, Urban Meyer's not coaching anymore. Nick Saban is retired. You know, Dabo Swinney had a, a bad record early in his career. Go look at what Dabo's record is against ranked opponents in the last six, seven, eight years. I mean, that, that's that's a spin job right there, my man. And I would encourage you not to fall into that trap because that's what Notre Dame fans did for years with Brian Kelly. Right? Well, yeah. look at win percentage. And all, no, that doesn't matter. That's not what you're paid to do when you're at Notre Dame it, or and when you're at Ohio State. It's just not. So um, you, you need to be able to look in the mirror and say, what he's doing isn't good enough. Now, Maybe the moves he's made this offseason, Ryan, are going to get it done. We'll see. It's possible. We'll see. Hey, they took at some the end swings. Of the day, at the end of the day, I think they will have upgraded the quarterback position just for the near future, just going forward. I think Will Howard is a little bit better than than McCord, Kyle McCord, personally. I do think that you have Julian Sane in the room now. You have Aaron Nolan coming in the room. Like, there's some talent in the quarterback room. I think that Caleb Downs is an absolute stud. Oh, stud. I think he's an absolute monster, oh. right? So, you got some guys in there. There's no doubt, but I just and Ryan. You mentioned pa- John, you mentioned panic move though. You mentioned a panic yeah, move with Bill yeah. O'Brien. I think there's a couple panic moves in these transfer portal additions. Personally, yeah. that's just me though. We'll see. We'll Agree. If Quinshawn has the right attitude this year and he's willing to be one A one B with Travion, then you've got a dynamic one two punch at running back. And if Quinshawn is bought in and Travion is bought in, and I have to think Travion's bought in because he could have left. Sure. Trayvon yeah. window to go to the draft. So I think Travion's bought in. This takes a lot of the pressure off of Travion, too. He doesn't have to carry the ball 18, 20 times a game. You can have Quinshawn be sort of the, you know, the power guy, and you can be the home run hitter. You know, I mean, right. you could do some things like that. So, I mean, there, you know, I think you mentioned quarterback. Even if you view Will Howard and Kyle McCord as a wash, Right. And, you know, some people like McCord maybe a little better. I, I think I think Will Howard's legs give him the edge because they're similar yes. passers to me. But Will Howard's a little bit better athlete. But it's kind of like it's kind of the same guy, different style. But Julian saying to me, even though I've always felt he's overrated as a top 10 guy, that's a good football player. That's a top 100 quarterback that I think is better than Aaron Nolan. I think he's better than Devin Brown. And I think he's better than the kid they got from like Idaho or wherever last year. Top right. So to your point, Ryan. Those yep. South Dakota, those those two yep. additions did make the quarterback room better, present and future, and yep. and there's no doubt about it. And, and I don't think, I don't think Julian saying is like jumping in the portal to get a payday. I, I, that's not. I mean, he, I think he jumped nah, in the portal because no. I didn't go to Tuscaloosa to play for anybody else. Sure. I went there to play for this guy, and then and then Kalen DeBoer goes out and brings in his quarterback from from Washington, who's Austin a pretty Mack. good player. Yeah. Yep. And I, you know, I think it's like, hey, this 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 system doesn't fit me. Now, my question with him is still the same question I have with Will Howard: is how do they fit that system? 
and how will Bill, Bill O'Brien be able to use them? He's kind of had mostly, you know, in college anyway, mostly just kind of drop back quarterbacks, you know, a little bit with Bryce Young last year, but Julian Sands a bit of a gunslinger. Will he allow him to play like a gunslinger? We'll find out. But there's no doubt they added talent. And to your point, Caleb Downs is a stud. I yep. mean, him and Lathan Ransom back there at safety is going to be with Denzel Burke coming back. Like we talked the other day, the before all the Caleb Downs stuff and before Denzel Burke announced, like I think Notre Dame's got a shot to have the best secondary in college football last next year. Here's some teams that are competing with them. Ohio State flat out right to me right now, now jumps into the mix as maybe having the best. I would say they even have a better secondary coming back because even if you say that Xavier Watts is every bit as good as Caleb Downs, Lathan Ransom's better than what we know that Notre Dame has right now, right? Some guys got to prove themselves, and and you could say Benjamin, maybe Benjamin Morrison's a little bit better there. It's going to be up to the Notre young Notre Dame corners and Rod Hurd and a Don Schuler to really step in and say, hey, we're we're better. But Ohio State to me, maybe slightly ahead of where Notre Dame is right now. Like that's a really yeah. good secondary now with Caleb Downs because I think also Caleb Downs fits what what what. Uh, Jim Knowles wants to do defensively too. And that's important. You got to be able to fit the system. And I think he fits that system pretty well. I, but honestly, I should take that back because Caleb Downs can fit into any system. I mean, he, he's that kind yeah. of player in my opinion. He can do whatever he wants. He can play any, he can play any spot he wants to. Yeah. yeah, he really can. He really can. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's a fun one I want to jump down here, Ryan, to get a bit of a fun one here. Joseph Barrett says, Brian, in your opinion, which team was better, 1988 Miami or 1993 Florida State? I think it's 88 Miami. Uh, I mean, 93 Florida State was pretty good, but 88 Miami was phenomenal. I mean, that was a – I think 88 Notre Dame was better than 93 Notre Dame, and 88 Notre Dame needed every single second to beat that 88 Miami team. They manhandled Florida State in 93. I think that 88 Miami team was was outstanding. And if and if you go back and look at that 1988 Miami team, Ryan, people forget, like, that team had to play some really good – that they had to play some really good football teams that year. I mean, obviously they played Notre Dame on the road. That year they played Florida State in the opener. Florida State was preseason number one. And Florida State finished that year uh, eleven and one in 1988. Only had one loss all year. It was a 31 to nothing loss to Miami. They went on the road next week. Had that great comeback against Michigan. They beat Wisconsin, who at the time was pretty terrible. They went on the road, beat number eleven LSU that year, 44 to three. They beat number eight Arkansas that year, 18 16. They beat BYU 41 to 17. And then in the Orange Bowl, they beat Nebraska, number six Nebraska 23 to three. 
So that 88 Miami team and that BYU team that they beat 41 to 17, Ryan, that was a nine and four BYU team. That was a really good BYU team. So uh, that was a great, great team. 93 Florida State was good, but yeah, I, 88 Notre Dame or 88 Miami was better, in my opinion. Do you have a take on this, Ryan, or is this a little bit before your time? Never, never saw him play. If we want to talk about 2001 Miami, I got some conversation. But yes. Yeah, that's a no brainer. <laughs> that's yeah. a no brainer. No brainer. Got a super chat from Will Falk. Thanks, Will. Will says, and thank you so much, Will. Can we breathe a sigh of relief yet about Al Golden and Mike Mickens returning for the 2024 season? Thanks for all you do, Ryan and Brian. You're welcome. Well, there hasn't been, yeah, there hasn't been anything credible about Mike Mickens returning. We talked about this last week. Some random site that covers Cincinnati said he should be a candidate. And then a Notre Dame site, I won't say who it was, who also put some other false stories out there this year that were completely BS, uh, then ran with it and were like, Mike Mickens could leave. And I'm like, this is the, this people want, what's an example of clickbait. That was one of the most clickbaity things I've ever seen in my life. It was ridiculous. And what was funny is I reached out to a source very close to the situation and said, Hey, uh, uh, Cincinnati reached out and they haven't even reached out yet or, or say, Hey, any chance you're leaving for you know, you know, at, Mickens is going to leave for Cincinnati. And the answer is like, they haven't even reached out to him. So, you know, there had already been an article written that he might leave for Cincinnati, but they hadn't even. Now, could that change down the road? Sure, it could change. But, um, you know, there, there hasn't been anything else about him. And my 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 understanding is he's planning on staying. Al Golden, look, when you can breathe a sigh of relief with Al Golden is when Al Golden either A, says, I'm not going anywhere, or B, when all the NFL DC jobs are filled, that's when you can right. sigh, breathe a sigh of relief without gold. Until then, it it is what it is. Now, to me, I, I don't want to. I mean, I, I think Al Golden did some really some excellent things this year. I, I don't want to see him leave. I want to see continuity for next year. But at the same yeah. time, you got to understand who the head coach is. Head coach is Marcus Freeman, right? The defense is going to be fine. If Al Golden leaves, he's going to put somebody else in place to be able to, to do it. That that's the reality of it. And so, you know, I can say two things can be true at once, right? I don't want Al Golden to leave. Don't did a great job this year. That's true. But also is true as if he does leave, I, I have a lot of confidence that Marcus Freeman is going to fill that void quite nicely. That that's how I feel yeah. about it, Ryan. So that's yeah. my side. I mean, relief. my side well, relief is Marcus well, Freeman. We'll come over the bridge as we get there. I, I I'd say we we I think we'll we would know about Mickens sooner than Golden as far as like if anything's going to change in that capacity because I mean we're just starting the hiring cycle on the NFL side of things. I mean we'll be running up to that until the combine and conversations that happen there, and then it's certainly after that. So I mean there's a there's a little bit of a window here for NFL jobs to be open. So Ryan, how how many head coaching jobs are open right now? Do you do you know? Off I have your head? no idea. I'm not in the sure. NFL. There, but only one has been filled so far, right? And that's the Raiders. Yeah. They're the only yeah. one that have filled the job so far. And then and, there's and a that was an in, interim situation, obviously. So I right. mean, they're and he had a like the Atlanta Falcons, right. Atlanta Falcons, Chargers. I'm trying to think who else has jobs open, but I mean, there's like some second interviews that are starting to happen now. I think Atlanta Falcons just brought in like right. Bill Belichick for a second interview, Jim Harbaugh for a second interview. So, so yeah, so the, the it's the Patriots, right? They have a job open. Yep. The Titans yep. have a job. Well, no, the, the the Patriots have their head coach now. They, they hired they, um, right, Mayo. Jared, Jared Mayo. Mayo. Jared Mayo. Yep. So you've got the Titans' job is still open, right? The Chargers' yes. job is still open. 
Yes. The commander's job is still open, right? Correct. Washington commanders. I believe so. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then the bears did not fire their head coach. Uh, Panthers. Is that still open? Panthers is still open. Yep. Falcons is still open, right? You just said. Open. And then yep. the Seahawks. Did they replace Pete Carroll yet? Seahawks have not replaced Pete Carroll yet. Okay, nope. so that's six. That's six head coaching jobs right there. And then again, all that movement. Like, let's say, you know, like there's talk that the Eagles are going to hire a new D coordinator. There's also yes. that type of movement. So let's say they get a D coordinator from somewhere else, and that opens up an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like that. The, all those things are part of it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I to me, I'm just sitting back and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I have no control over it, but I just have this faith yep. in Marcus Freeman that whoever fills that job, or if, if he if he does leave, and I can, I'm not saying I want him to, but if he does, I just have faith that Ryan that that Marcus Freeman is going to fill it, and how whether it's internal or external, I just I'm that's one thing I'm not worried about. Ryan is, is I'm, I'm more concerned about losing Mike Mickens than I am Al Golden as the D coordinator, if that makes sense. Just because, yeah. for a host of reasons, in my opinion. So, good, good question. I'm going to ask this one, Ryan, because this is a recruiting question. This is from Coach Koch. Thank you, Coach. Where do you think stand with Brett Clatterball? I believe Brett Clatterball released the top five or six recently, and Notre Dame was in it. Got to see him live, uh, him play live this season, and he was excellent. I'd love for him to go to Notre Dame. Hashtag Virginia football. Yeah, well, Coach, he he. So Brian already alluded to. But- he did release a top five a couple weeks ago. Notre Dame was included in it. I know Notre Dame also was, and I think you're on the message board, Coach Koch, but if you're not, I put the uh, Coaches on the Road segment where they were down in Virginia. Um, Al Golden visited his high school down there in the state of Virginia. So, I mean, there's interest there. I would say that the, for linebacker recruiting, it's going to be very interesting because there's a lot of names that I'd say Notre Dame's in a good spot with early on. I mean, they already have a commitment from – Josiah Key out there in Hawaii. They technically have another one from Dominic Kulak, but he's kind of considered a little bit of a hybrid player. So his number can kind of be flex- flexible a little bit as far as like the number you're going to take. But I mean, it's a deep board of linebackers. I think are pretty interested in Notre Dame, you know, the names like Marco Jones and, and, and Christian Jones and Noah McHale and Anthony Saka. There, there's a few guys that I would say Notre Dame has a has a legit chance with, or at least in a okay or solid position right now. So whether Brett ends up with the class or not, I would just say we just need a little bit more clarity as far as like how hard they're going to push for a couple different guys because they th- this is what they've done the last two years now, Brian, is that they have a really big linebacker board. Like it's huge, man. And there's a lot of interest, but what is it ultimately going to look like? I mean, at this point, it's almost a guessing game as far as like, what's a three-man linebacker class look like potentially? What's a four-man linebacker class look like potentially? It could be a couple of different things. Like it could be a, co- a few different combinations. So just wait and see a little bit. But obviously, Brett clearly likes Notre Dame a decent bit or else wouldn't be in the top five to start with there. So Yeah. I want to address this thing too from Brandon. He says, what's Golden's recruiting like though? I mean, I, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, Brandon, and he needs to step up his recruiting a little bit. But at the same time, you have to think about the fact that look, there's a reason Notre Dame has recruited linebacker so well while he's been here because yep. you have yep. Marcus Freeman. You have Chad Bowden. And Max Bulla, from what I've been told, and Ryan, you've talked to different linebackers. He's been very involved in this yes. process as well with these kids, and that's helped as, as also. But look – Linebacker recruiting at Notre Dame is going to be pretty good over a course of time as long as Marcus Freeman's head coach. And and the best thing that Matt, that Al Golden can do is go put out a top five defense on the field. And to me, that's exactly what he did this year. I mean, the like 
the product sells itself. Like if anyone that knows Mike Mickens will know, he does. He is not a good recruiter because he has this like outgoing personality and he plays the games and he knows how to schmoot. No, it's because he's a very honest, direct, open guy that kids feel he cares about him. But he's a very, I mean, he's a very, he's just not like what you think of great recruiter that's in his thirties, but it's the product on the field, Ryan. Why is Notre Dame on the verge of potentially landing its best corner class in decades? It's not because Mark M- Mike Mickens has this Marcus Freeman-like personality, cult of personality, right? It's because he can sit there and say, this is the best recruiting pitch ever. It's boom, here's my resume. That that's how that's what that's what you can do. And he's an honest, genuine guy. That's why certain kids are want to play for him. But there's also a reason why the 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 quote unquote studs, right? don't want to play for him because he doesn't kiss butt, right? It's the, tr- it's, it's the, the proof is in the pudding. That's why linebacker signed up to play for Notre Dame this year. It's because of the, of Marcus Freeman and the track record. And so, yes, it'd be nice if Al Golden did more recruiting, but what I think Notre Dame has done a pretty good job of is finding his niche, right? He's not going to be a guy that's just calling 18 year olds all the time. He's just not right. So what, what is the niche? Have Freeman do that. Have Chad do that. Have Max Bulla do that. But when these kids don't get on campus, and when they go in home, that's when Al Golden does this thing. He's almost kind of like a head coach, you know, where yeah. like they kind of bring him into clothes and he has that meeting where he sits down with you in the, you know, when you're on visit. Who was who was the guy you did the interview with yesterday? Was it was it Dallas Golden? There's a couple guys that you interviewed and you have stories at irishbreakdown.com, right? Where they talked about like sitting down with Al Golden and having him show me. I think Ethan Long might have been one too. Ethan and Long having him talk one. about show me how I fit into the system, man. That was great. And so that's how yeah. they're using him. So they that's smart. That's smart coaching. It would be nice if he was doing a like it was more of a grinder on the trail, but it's like, dude, put a great product on the field and then be our closer. You know, yeah. and, and and that's that's what they've done. So it I, doesn't worry as me as much as it did when he first got on, to be honest with you. I'd like it to be I, better, but I think they've made it work. Yeah. I, I still I still think it is better than it once was though, right? Like there was a time there where you're just like I every linebacker I talked to like barely had any conversation without Golden. Like you hear his name now a lot more prevalent than you did. Would you like it to be a little bit more? Sure, but I would also say this, Brandon. There's also some recruits that like I don't even think Notre Dame would have. We like there was just a question about Brett Clatterball. You don't think Al Golden's ties to Virginia have been a big help with Brett Clatterball, for instance? Here's another one. Anthony Saka, I don't think would even be a possibility for Notre Dame right now, nearly as much if Al Golden wasn't the main recruiter there because of personal mm-hmm. relationships and then his time, not even just his time with his dad at Penn State. Like Al Golden has frequented the Northeast a lot in his career as a recruiter in general. So, again, could it be better in certain instances? Absolutely. But are there a lot of variables that still make him a asset on the recruiting trail? Yes, I believe that there are still a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good questions. All right. Here's Tyler Evans. Tyler says most overrated. Thank you so much for the question, Tyler. Most overrated head coach you have ever seen ever the college level or we're talking about Boy, NFL. A, let's go college. Let's say college. Okay. Oh man. Most right. overrated ever, man. I don't know if I could say ever. I'd have to. Th- and that, NFL that's wise, to Ron Rivera about. popped into my head. Ron Rivera is the most. How does he keep? Yeah, how does he NFL. keep getting jobs? He, nine of um, twelve seasons were losing seasons for him, and he's still revered as this really good head coach. I don't understand. And, and uh, you're remember. gonna love this, Ryan. He's interviewing for the Eagles' job, D coordinator job. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a little better than head coaching job, at least, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, I say current football, it's James Franklin in the current era. Uh, overrated yeah. all time. Oh, I'd have to really think about that one, man. I'd have to really yeah. think about that one. Oh, Ryan, man. Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. No, Ryan Day <laughs> might actually be more overrated than James Franklin. Yeah. But at least he's been to the playoff a bunch of times and won one, yeah. one, won a playoff game. I mean, I got to give him that. He did, he did beat, he did beat Clemson, smack Clemson. Someone actually. said Jimbo in the chat. That would uh, be an interesting. Yeah. Jimbo's in that conversation. Or... Yeah. I, I mean, Jimbo's. Jimbo, there's this aura about him. And how about Ohio State hiring the guy that gave Jimbo that monster contract? How how about that? Yeah, I saw like, that. Yeah. Same guy that that was the head coach at, um, you know, at uh, uh, was it Ole Miss when all those issues happened with Hugh Freeze? That was a weird yep. fit. Weird fit by Ohio State. Uh, very strange. Somebody just texted me, said John L. Smith. I never thought John L. Smith was considered a great Michigan coach. Michigan State, John L. Smith, because huh. he was yeah. at, at Louisville and uh, and and Michigan State. But I don't remember him being considered like a really good coach. Boy, I'm trying to think. This is a this is a good question. Um, no, I mean, I like most overrated Scott, coach. Scott Frost was a pretty well, overrated coach. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Lincoln Riley's a bit of an overrated coach. I think he's a bit of an overrated head coach. I think Lincoln Riley, yeah. the difference between Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day is, I've said this before, is I think Lincoln Riley actually is a really, really good offensive mind. I don't think, yeah, I think Ryan Day is a little overrated there. I just don't think Lincoln Riley's a great head coach. Yeah, definitely not the most overrated, though. Like, over, no. most overrated, there's got to be guys no. more in that. In that yeah, no. I'm just, I'm, oh, I, I, I got you know, one. I got one. How about a guy failing up, all right? Guy failing up, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh yeah, guy, yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow yeah. got fired at Texas Tech and failed his with way a up losing to an NFL record. head coaching job. Like, all right. guy had a losing record with Pat Mahomes as his quarterback and got an NFL head coaching job, and people were shocked that it didn't work out. Just ridiculous. Oh man, I, you know, I, I'm gonna have to think about this one, Tyler, because that's a really good question. Because well, I think Les Miles is one. I think Les Miles is a – but it's hard yeah, to say that because the guy's got, what, two national titles or yeah. one national title or one national title, right? Sorry. Edward Sharon was pretty overrated as a head coach too. Really yeah. good uh, really good really position good coach, but as yeah. a head coach, nah, nah. Yeah. I have to think about this one. That's a really good question. I always thought Rick Neuheisel was a bit of an overrated head coach. He, but he, he was decent, but I always thought he was a little bit of yeah. – Gary Barnett, very overrated head coach. In my opinion, mm-hmm. that's one that I would go with. But all, of all time, I'm just giving you names that pop in my head. Oh my goodness! Oh, how about my um, buddy will we'll, my we'll, buddy will swear right here. My friend Tony will tell you up until he's blue in the face that Bo Schembechler is the most overrated coach of all time. He'll say all those years he 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 had a terrible Rose Bowl record and he never won a national title. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Who was the um, who was the coach at Texas A&M when Kingsbury was there, the head coach? That's my answer too. To my uh, when Kings, when Kingsbury was the OC, yeah. about, with uh, with Manzel, Manzel. You talking boys. about? Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Kevin uh, Sumlin. Kevin. Kevin Sumlin. Sumlin would be another one that I think was pretty overrated. Kevin Sumlin, Charlie Strong was another that I think was pretty overrated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how about uh, Tom Herman? Can I, I throw Tom Herman oh, in the conversation yeah. as well. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Good yeah, he's a good one. That's a good one. I don't. I I personally just so people. Know, I don't think Bo Schembeck was overrated. I, I mean, championship, yeah. But I, to me, there's 
there's something to say about consistency over decades. And yeah, he never won a title, but they were always good. I mean, both teams are always really good. And, and to me, I mean, no one's ever said he's like the greatest coach of all time. So I, you know, that would be where I would, well, I mean, no one that's not a Michigan fan has ever said that. But I mean, if you look at it, Ryan, from 1969, his first year at Michigan to 1980, it's 12 seasons. They finished outside the top 10 once. Yeah. And uh, that that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yes, I know he had a lose significantly losing record in bowl game in the Rose Bowl, but still there's something to be said for consistency. And Bo was consistent yeah. for a long time. He's a Hall of Famer. He just, I mean, but I've never heard anyone like say he's top five coach all time. So uh, that's not one that I would necessarily go. I'd have to think about this one and uh and and figure out why the answer is Brian Kelly. So uh let's go, let's go to the next one. Here's a good one, Ryan. From PQ, what it do? What's up? Thank you so much. What did Al Golden and the defense do differently in the red zone that made them go from one of the worst to one of the best red zone defenses in the country? Couple things that I will just say off the top of my head. I felt they were more aggressive with their coverage strategy last season. I felt they did too much off coverage in the red zone in, in the past. Uh, it would allow guys to kind of get free releases. You think of the the uh, the touchdown Benjamin Morrison gave up against Syracuse two years ago. Ryan happened right in front of us. Just playing off coverage, got leaned him out, and beat him inside. Like there were things like that that happened. The second thing is I felt like they were they were. They were better against the run. I think having a better D line, they could pressure in the red zone better with the front four and they could stop the run more effectively in the red zone. That was a big one for me because, I mean, how many times in the year before, Ryan, did they get to fourth and fourth down in the red zone and give up a touchdown? At least four times that I can think of where they gave up fourth down because they allowed teams to get inside to five and then go for it. What they did this year is once they got into the red zone, they just shut you down because you couldn't throw the ball on them in the red zone. Like you had no chance of throwing the ball on Notre Dame in the red zone when they played their defense. And I felt like what you had, you just had a better defensive line that with a reduced field, you just really had nothing you could do to them. You couldn't take the safeties out of the, out of the the game. They could just lock you down on the outside with their corners and put nine guys in a box. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is in the red zone, you could essentially get eight to nine guys in a box depending on how you lined up. And they just, you just, you had no chance on the outside. Like, didn't matter if it was Marvin Harrison, whoever it was, you were not beating their corners on the outside in the red zone. And I think Benjamin Morrison gave up three touchdowns this year. I think they were all on broken plays. If I remember correctly, they were all on like scramble broken plays. That's the best chance you had to score on them this year was on something like that. So th- those are the things just kind of big picture that, that to me, I thought worked. And I also felt too, Ryan, just the, not that they blitzed more or less in the red zone. I just thought overall this year, their blitzing was just more effective I think that yep. factored in too to, to why they were better. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Anything else that you'd add to that? I think the middle of the field was just a lot stronger this year overall. I mean, I would say Howard Cross and Riley Mills deserve a lot of credit for there. The defensive line rotation just in general deserves. I mean, even guys like Nana Osafa Mensa were impactful in the in the run game as as good rotational pieces. I mean, you had a bunch of guys that I think just kind of you were able to stand taller in the middle of the field. I think you had a little bit more consistency in the inside at linebacker as well. And then you had a playmaker at safety, which I think never hurts your cause as well. So I think impactful middle of the field, I would say is a big one. And then the other one that you hit on that I would agree with is that anytime you can be man to man heavy on the outside of corner and be really good there, it kind of funnels everything inside and makes less opportunities to 
to create mismatches in a, a more condensed situation. So middle of the field, corners that can pl- middle of the field impact and better cornerback play on the outside, a more consistent cornerback play. I think together they help them to make that quick turnaround. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.